Hey friends, welcome to Boca, a podcast exploring the ever-blurring lines between the personal and business lives of professional photographers. This is your host, Nathan Holritz, and I'm happy that you can join me today in connecting with photographers and entrepreneurs as we discuss photography, business, and oh yeah, that sometimes messy thing that we call life. This podcast, it's brought to you by Photographer's Edit, custom image editing for the wedding and portrait photographer. Just visit photographersedit.com. All right, Boca Podcast listeners, we're here for another episode and back with friends Todd Watson from Show It and Sean Austin Gordon. You know, it's funny, as long as I've known you, Sean, the Sean Austin and Sean Gordon thing, I think I've written it multiple ways, countless times. It is officially Sean Gordon, correct? Yeah, my last name is Gordon, and but my like Instagram handle is Sean Austin, and it's interesting. I've been in the photography industry for a long time, but my initial, my first photography company was Austin Photography, and so people thought I was Sean Austin, and so I just have stuck with it for a really long time, Okay, and that's why it is the way it is. Okay. Todd, should we make up a name for you just, just for some variety? I typically just go by T-dubs. T-dubs. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) You definitely look the part. We're we're actually sitting in a dining room at a table here in uh, an Airbnb in the the Richmond, Virginia area. We just did an open house last night. Something that photographers edits had the opportunity to to be a part of, what, for a couple of years now? Yeah, we've been doing it. This is coming into the third year, yeah. So we were at Caitlin James's house last night, beautiful home she hosted, and there were probably 60, 70 photographers there at least. It was a really big crowd, really good vibe, good energy, good conversation. And the cool thing too is, and we, we talk about these, I talk about this at the open houses, is that our companies have similar missions, um, largely which center around relationships with our clients. And, and you know, in some ways, and we actually talk about this in the podcast I've had a number of photographers on the podcast when we talk about the idea of brand position, something that actually sets your company apart from another company. A lot of people are talking about this idea of relationships right now. So it's, it's not a new concept. Uh, and I don't even know that it necessarily sets companies apart in, in some realms. Uh, but I think it's easy also to say that you focus on relationship. It's another thing to actually make that happen. And so we'll probably talk a little bit more about how, how you all are implementing that in your companies here in just a little bit. But uh, it's a privilege to have both of you back on. And I just wanted to, what I told you ahead of time is I wanted to do just kind of a state of the industry conversation. I wanted to hear what's going on with your companies, but I also want to get your perspective on what's going on with the industry. I've done over 200 episodes of this podcast now. I talk way too much. Uh, I'm going to let you guys do the talking. And actually, I want to just start with what the latest is with each of your companies. So Sean, I'll just start with you with KISS. What's going on right now um, that may be a little bit different than what was happening in 2018? Sure. 2018 was a great year, in, and we have a word for each year that we come up with like in the end of the third quarter, first of the fourth quarter for the next year. And how did, how did this year go, and what do we want for next year? So 2019, our word is graph. To graph is to like add two pieces together. And so we know that our team is like growing. Graft is in G-R-A-F-T? Yep. Okay, yeah. okay, cool. And so we know our team is growing and we're working with other companies and welcoming new types of photographers. Just a lot more of, of it's not just growth focused, yeah. but because of the shift in the company recently, it's been just uh, drawing like ideal clients to us. Mm. And so we're grafting them where it takes work to graft. You don't just like all of a sudden have a grafted vine or a tree, a fruit tree or something like that. It takes work. And so we're really focused on what grafting looks like for KISS. How can we, um, the relationship that you're referring to, how can we invest in that and onboard people into KISS and, and to hope for success for them and for us because of it. So uh, when I think about grafting versus just attaching, you, you, I think you alluded to a vine. It, it's one thing to, to tie something on. Uh, that's temporal in, in many cases. The idea of grafting goes way, way deeper, obviously. It is a reflection of this idea of building and uh, building relationships. Grafting takes time, so there's an investment there. That seems very much a reflection of what you guys are about, and that's interesting. Maybe we'll get into that here in just a little bit kind of talk about what that actually looks like on a practical level. Because again, we can talk about these, these big ideas. The question is, how do we then implement them? 
And uh, so we'll go there in just a little bit. Todd, bring us up to date a little bit on what's going on. By the way, I have to paint a picture for those of you listening in. We have our mics currently set up. Uh, I'm going to post this to my stories, but one of the mics is set up on an upside down tissue container. Uh, that is, so if you hear something move around, that's what's going on there. Mine is sitting on a bath towel currently just to get it up high enough so it's closer to our mouth. So we, typical entrepreneur style, we're making it work. But Todd, talk to us a little bit about what's going on at Show It. I, for those of you that don't know, I, I would assume you do. And of course, we'll link to both Show It and Kiss in the show notes for this episode if you go to Boca Podcast, B-O-K-E-H podcast.com. Um, Kiss is a spe- specializes in albums, books. I'm going to say books just because that's the brand, but albums, ultimately, wedding and portrait photographers, both beautiful, beautiful stuff. And I've had the opportunity, I was talking to photographers last night, talking to them about how I've had the opportunity to see Kiss. Actually, I knew you, Sean, before Kiss even started to see Kiss start from nothing and grow into to what it is today. It's incredible. Major props to you. But Todd, talk to us a little bit about Show It as well, because I've had the chance to know you now probably about the same amount of time, right? 11, yeah. 12 years? Yeah, we go way back in uh, in this industry, and yeah, it's been it's been a really good season for us in terms of just figuring out where we're where we're going and and what we're doing. And uh, the 2018, I would say, uh, is similar to Sean in in talking about how the mission the mission that we do. My personal mission that I talk about is to cultivate the creativity that exists in each person. Yeah, and so we really focused on that word cultivate. And so looking at how do we cultivate and cultivate is to, to improve with labor or effort. Okay. And so it's this, you know, the idea when you think about farming of like tilling the soil, you know, so that it, it is the uh, ready to grow things and, and, and uh, for things to spring up out of that. And so for us to cultivate, we had to look at how do we improve not just our product. That's a huge piece, you know, right. improving the product, but also just the, the, the community and how do we how do we work on improving the education and and all the the pieces that come together to to make for a really good experience uh, for for someone who wants to build a website and I, and I think ultimately we want to have people not feel stuck and so in order to have that creativity it, it's not just the tool it's also the understanding of how to use it and so we've spent a lot of our our time investing in how do we make that work. Uh, really well so that people could understand so that they can be able to use it and and feel like they're successful with that. I have to give you major props for the simplicity with which you're able to communicate the mission statement, which is to cultivate creativity. And we talk again a lot on the podcast about this idea of a brand position. In some cases, a mission statement can can relate or at least tie into the to the brand position. Uh, but the clarity and the simplicity with which you can communicate that is huge. A lot of photographers, when you talk to them or ask them what they're doing, even just a business owner in general, they they spend the next five minutes trying to explain it to you. And and if, if you listening, if that's the case for you, then take a little bit of time, take a step back and, and take a little bit of time to clarify what it is that your business actually is doing, what it's about. The mission statement, that's that's kind of the overarching goal that is driving everything that you're doing. And then the brand position, as we've talked about, what actually sets you apart from your, your so-called competition. But I just love the simplicity with which you yeah. can communicate that that mission. But then it represents a lot. I mean, to, to our conversation or my conversation with Sean a few minutes ago, cultivation isn't something that you just do in five seconds, right? It yeah. takes time. And I love the fact that it also represents an investment and in adding value to your clients, which goes beyond just, hey, you can build a custom website with this tool that we've created. We want to, to go beyond that and help encourage creativity. How can we best do that? It goes beyond the website I mean, there are so many different directions you could go with that, frankly. Yeah. And, and for us, I think the, the big thing to, to look at that is to also understand that we know that we're not for everyone. You know, like w- w- it, there's a clear distinction to me of like someone who just wants the easy thing and, and is out. Like, there are plenty of template sites, right? Yeah, Where you, yeah. can, you can go do that really quickly. If you want the easy, ch- you know, cheap, whatever, and you're not really invested in, in the creativity piece of like really owning and coming to what you want to be, then we're not going to force you to do that. But for those that want the creativity, we're going we're gonna to be there to help cultivate that and, and enable them to do that. I have to say, though, and I'm going to sell you guys here for a second. I, I love the fact that you do have control over the process. You can have as much control as you want to, really. The flip side of that is for photographers who are overwhelmed, there are options that will help them get started quickly. 
And then later, as they have time, they want to invest more time in customizing their site, they can do that. And then it's drag and drop. And yeah. I, you were demonstrating that last night there at the, at the event. And, and ultimately, that comes back to like, what do you value? And so, you know, like, that's the piece that if someone values the creativity piece, then yeah, they might hire a designer to start there, or they might purchase a design, to have a good place to start from, because they value that. And then they're going to uh, take that and, and be able to continue to grow with it. I think that's the thing that we see over and over is people that buy something that they think is going to be fast and easy, but then they get stuck. They feel like, oh no, I don't know what to do with this anymore. We want to be one that allows you to grow. So that's part of that cultivating. The other thing that's interesting too, and I'm, I'm just kind of geeking out as an entrepreneur here, but I'm thinking about that statement. Um, if, if that is your overarching goal as a company, it also gives you the freedom and the flexibility to be able to, in the future, let's say in 10, 20 years, whatever it might be, to transition out of a website software and go to something else that also cultivates creativity. It gives you a little bit of flexibility. And and the reason I can relate to that too, is I'm thinking about everything that I do right now, the the businesses that I want to create, they're tied in some form or fashion to encouraging relationships and saving people time or some combination of the above. And the cool thing about that mission is that it can, it can look different ways. It doesn't have to be one thing. I'm not stuck to, to just one company or one business or one business model or one target client. It can look different ways, but it gives you a lot of freedom and flexibility. But when it comes specifically to, to the website development software that show it is, um, you not only have the opportunity to encourage that creativity through that software, but through content and education that you create for the community, investing in that. I think it's really great. Yeah, for sure. And, and I think we, especially being a technology company, we understand technology is going to change, you know, and so we don't know what it's going to look like in five years from now, but our mission will stay on, on course. And it gives us kind of that North star where we're, That's we're deciding cool. where we're going. And and I want to give you a chance, Sean, as well, to talk just briefly about you all's mission statement as well, because it's a similar idea in the sense that it does kind of give you some freedom, some flexibility to pursue simple. How would you sum up what that I'm calling it a mission statement. Maybe you would define it a little bit differently, but that is the tagline that your that your company is using now. What does that mean to you? Yeah, pursue simple. Uh, I was so excited once we landed on it because it is for me. Pursue simple is a lifestyle that creates margin in my life so that I can do what matters most to me. And that can look different for different people. And like you said, creatives sometimes have a hard time explaining, like creatives in general, this is like a creative mind, has a hard time explaining what they do. And once you, but once you come to that, like the pursue simple for us, I was like, that's it. Hmm. Cause we were the world's simplest book company. And then, you know, a lot of like, we've just been copied and things like that, which allows us to be better and, and be, get more creative and um, innovate. And mm-hmm. it's a fun season for me. I love innovating. Mm-hmm. And, um, so when we came on pursue simple, I was like, this is our next state, you know, for a while, because that, that margin matters to me personally in my life. And my personal mission statement is to be dangerously wonderful. And, um, but I have to have margin in my life to be able to, to activate my personal mission statement. And Mm. so to pursue simple in my personal life has made a lot of sense as well. That's cool. And, and I know that we could probably talk for quite a bit longer there, but I, I, again, major props to both of you for developing mission statements that, give you some freedom, some flexibility to be able to invest, not just simply in a service or a product, but ultimately to invest in your clients. And I think that's really, really powerful. Talk to me a little bit about what you learned in 2018. Like if, if what, what's the first thing that comes to mind as the toughest or biggest lesson that you may have learned in 2018? I'll just start with you, Sean. Yeah. 2018 for us was to build or rebuild. Um, We were launching a lot of new product and things like that, which is pretty standard. That's like the business side of things. But in that, it it was like right in my face regularly that for me personally, like what is my part in that? Because I've done product. I've been the CEO. I've you know, been in shipping, you know, I was a co-founder of this company and, and been in photography for a long times and things like that. So you're, I'm always trying to find out like, what's my part, what's mm. the difference that I'm making yeah. in this. And I'm still, I still long for that and to try and like refine that. And I just kept coming back to like, I'm in love with the creative entrepreneur and I love like startups and um, the drive that comes with startups. And like the, it's not just hustle. It doesn't always come out as hustle, but kind of like the 
I have to make this happen. I'm showing up. It's yeah. the first thing you think of when you wake up. It's like it's super exciting. I yeah. love, I know my personality loves the takeoff and the landing, mm-hmm. but the flight itself gets kind of boring sometimes. <laughs> yeah. And sometimes yeah. I get in the flight, you know? Mm-hmm. And so I just, I love the creative entrepreneur and to lean into that and see what the struggles are and make solutions and software as well as our product that can support that and create a space for them to thrive in, like what is my part in that? And it really has been in the relationship. Hmm. And so what can I do to free up my time kind of out of the weeds? Although I love product development, there's certain things where I like to go down in the weeds, but how can I do that? And it really comes to the relationships that I have with my team, how they rely on me and, and how I rely on them to kind of like do those things so that I can go and focus on relationships so that they can focus on product. You know, it's like we free each other up there. We can measure certain things, but one of the things is hard to measure sometimes in business is how does a handoff go? Like how am I serving the person that I hand off my work to? Mm -hmm. And how am I, am I, am I also, being clear about the person that's that's handing me things to do like is there a better way for them to stack that up so that i can get through it more efficiently or communicate it a specific way so i can understand it better and get through it more efficiently so we've been really working on that as a team internally therefore we can focus on the things that we feel like our skill sets are and kind of like you know like i said like hone in on what those are and get better at those communication is the thing that that kind of stands out to me in that conversation just now because for a lot of photographers or sole proprietors it's usually just them right mm-hmm. so if there's any talking going on it's to themselves which can be a little bit chaotic at times but when you then have the responsibility of delegating something even if it's something as simple as your, your taxes to your accountant mm-hmm. but if you start to get into editing and album design and some of these other admin work email and so forth you get into some of these other elements of, of the business that you're so used to having so much control over and you begin to, to even consider delegating those things and then even starting the process of handing off. If you don't clearly communicate, uh, I mean, this could be multiple podcasts in and of itself, but if you don't clearly communicate, and I, I mean, part of that is learning how to communicate more effectively yourself, simply, more clearly. Part of it is understanding how the other person understands what you're saying, how they communicate, uh, that whole process can be nightmarish. I mean, we've seen this at Photographer's Edit because there is a process of communication required for somebody to delegate their editing work to us. And if we don't make it as easy as possible, create and manage expectations appropriately and then, and then provide the tools necessary to enable them to communicate as clearly and easily as possible to us, then it, it, it's tough for them. And most photographers aren't used to that idea of delegation. What's This is a loaded topic, I know, but what's a simple, uh, relatively simple way that you've learned to more effectively communicate or delegate um, to your team? Yeah, it's a great question, and it definitely is loaded, but communication is one of those things. In order to communicate properly, it you can't do it one way. You have to know um, the person on the other side of the communication. Mm-hmm. Are they hearing me? Are they hearing what I'm actually saying? And so learning and getting to know my team more has really paid off a lot. And, and just clarifying and making sure that, A, I'm communicating clearly. And the expectation, the word that you use was expectation. It really evolves an expectation really evolves the experience to be one and of itself because there's nobody that can do an experience like I do. Maybe like I do, but not exactly because my personality is just a one-off and so is yours and so is Todd's. Photographers, that's the one thing that can really separate themselves. And if you communicate clearly from your personality type, then you start to find your ideal clients in the album design or in editing or in your in how your site uh, represents you and all those types of things and how you're hosting. If the communication is clearly, it starts to make the decisions for you. If you have a, a clear, you know, like mission statement and a, you know, a vision, which is like a short term goal, it makes a lot of the decisions for you. It doesn't mean like, it sounds like a minimalist lifestyle pursue simple. Sometimes it's not minimalist. And in like, in what's the book that I always refer to? Essentialism, in essentialism, thank you. It uh, it talks about the amount of decisions that we like sift through in order to make what we feel like is the best one. We're not trying to make a minimalist life. We're trying to make like a focused and clear life. Communication, expectations. Ultimately, it comes back to the experience that we're creating. And as entrepreneurs, like if we can refine that to be a representation of us, that's the one thing that can't be copied. 
Well, and but in order to communicate clearly, we also have to have a certain level of self-awareness, right? We have to even know where we stand on something, which is, I mean, that that's a that's a whole topic also yeah. in and of itself. It's loaded. It's good. Feedback is one of the best things. I, I didn't deal with feedback very well initially because my personality type, I'm a feeler. Um, thinkers can typically, a healthy thinker can, can handle it. Um, an unhealthy feeler has a hard time handling feedback. But what is it like to be on the other side of you? is a scary question sometimes, but it allows you to be a better version of yourself. A lot of us don't like mirrors um, and, and, you know, physical mirrors or actually like psych- psychological or like, yeah. you know, how, just how are you um, experiencing me? That's a tough question mm. to ask in a marriage and somebody that I trust or like a good solid friendship because I'm like, do I really want to know this? <laughs> but if I can love them better or relate to them better or communicate more clearly to them so they know exactly what's in the room. That's the dangerous part of my personal mission is like to not leave anything out there. The dangerous part is like, it's scary to say like, Hey, I think there's something else here. Are are we having a tough time? It looks like, you know, on your face. And I've done this with my teams recently and they were kind of like, Oh, he's not leaving anything out there, (laughs) but they have to put it out so that we can kind of work through it. I'm like, I think you just settled. And this is like your, project. Don't settle. That's why you're in charge of it. What else is there that we can do better to serve you? Or where are we missing it so we can get better? And he's like, oh, good. I'm glad you said something. It's like, I want you to own this. And so that's the dangerous side. We just lean in a little bit more so that it can be his project or her project, because that's why we put them at the top of that particular project, you know, but it has to be out there. And um, the feedback is tough. But when we know that we're for each other, the feedback comes a little bit easier. Yeah, that's that's huge. It's it's realization of insecurity and how that plays into the way that we engage with others. It's a big, big thing. And I'd, I'd be the first to raise my hand that that's been a struggle for me, too. Yeah, it's pride for me so many times. And um, it's like the pride in me wants to resist and and defend it. And it's like there's a difference between defense, defending yourself and like explaining yourself. Hmm. And like because uh, I had a conversation here with one of my employees and we had kind of like misunderstood each other. I blanket stated something and she took it personally. No problem. But if we didn't talk about it, then we couldn't have worked through it. And I was right. just like I wasn't defending myself. I was saying, no, this is what I see in you. And I was kind of blanket stating it and I wasn't clear about it. And and uh to be clear, this is kind of how I feel about it. And it just like, it brought clarity to our relationship, to how I see her, to how she sees me. And it was just like, it, it I felt so much better afterwards because I didn't know she was carrying that. Wow. And it takes setting ego aside too, which of course is so closely tied to this idea of insecurity. This is wonderful conversation. Thank you for sharing your perspective on that, Todd. Big lessons for 2018, or one in particular. In fact, you and I had the chance yesterday while we were in the car to chat a little bit about some of these things. I, I don't know if it's one of those, but what was one of the biggest lessons that you learned as an individual, as an individual or a business owner in 2018? Yeah, I think the one that keeps standing out to me when I think about 2018 is actually the, a book that I think Sean recommended to me uh, over a year and a half ago. It was called The Power of the Other, and it was uh, a book around um, the impact that other people have in your life, specifically like one other person, hmm. and especially in certain areas of your life. For me personally, like I saw the power of that in a coach when I was training for the Ironman, like the accountability that I had with that. But then in our teams, I've seen that really big in just, it's pretty easy to coast through life. But like when you have like one person who's saying like, hey, what, what are you actually doing? You know, like n- nudging someone in the side, like I've seen some great things from our team just this last year in in being a company who nudges everyone, you know, around that and and says like make sure you get other people in your life that are going to nudge you in all kinds of areas. And then uh likewise in our community and photographers, I mean we we keep doubling down on on United because we see the power that happens when people connect uh, around a shared vision for what they want for their business, for their photography career, and they have somebody else, an other, you know, if it's just one, we see those people show up year after year together, or, or you hear the stories from them later. Oh, hmm. I, we were roommates and yeah. now, now we're BFFs. And now, you know, like they push me when I feel like I'm down, you know, and, and it's so huge just to have that one other person that holds you accountable yeah. that you come back to that. And so, you know, for me, I keep trying to say like, hey, how do we keep doing that? What are the ways that we make sure that there's an other that's inserted in a way that's not just there because, you know, they would like to hang out, but there because they're going to be intentional about pushing you a little bit more than you're, the, 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 
it's not comfortable. It's like, not. <laughs> no. And again, you have to be open to it. Yeah. That's huge. You mentioned United. And for those of you listening in, again, we've talked about United on the podcast a number of times in the past. In fact, we've done interviews from United, the United Conference. Once a year, Show It puts on this conference, uh, one of the, the best conferences that I've ever been to in, in our industry. And I've been in the industry now for about 20 years. And, and really, the highlight for me is the the focus on relationships, the significance of relationships there. People want to connect. And there's plenty of education to be had as well, but it's a beautiful, beautiful thing. You, I think you alluded last night at that event uh, to the idea that it's kind of like going to camp. And it really is. It's like going to summer camp and you, you, get all, you have all these best friends that, that you make during the week and then you leave and it's kind of sad and you have to go back to the quote normal life. But it's, it's a really beautiful experience. And for those listening in, we'll make sure to link to the United Conference in the show notes so you're aware of the details that conference is coming up. And is it the end of October? November. 1st of November? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So we'll make sure to link to that. We'll also link to the, all, all of the other books that uh, we're talking about in the show notes as well. Again, for those of you listening in, bocapodcast.com. Haley does an amazing job of putting together the show notes for these episodes, the wealth of information. Talk to us a little bit about balancing business with family life. And I want to start with you on this one, Todd, because you actually have, have an interesting story. You spent quite a bit of time on the road with your family. Yeah. That, that was kind of toward the end of 2018. Is that right? September, October. Okay. Yeah. So around the, in the fall. fall. Yeah. Um, talk to us a little bit about that and then how that relates to your perspective on balancing business and family life. Yeah. Well, you know, this the topic of uh, work-life balance, I think, is definitely one that's uh, difficult. Like, I hear so many people talk about it, like, oh, this is how you balance. Honestly, there, I think there's seasons of life where it's okay to not have balance. Okay. You know, like, like, I think there's seasons that need to be all in on one thing and all in on another thing. Like, I don't think there's ever this, like, uh, we're just always going to be in this equilibrium state. Uh, and there was a season a few years ago where it was, it felt all in on business. Okay. You know? Yeah. And so like this last year, you know, I felt like we had a little bit more margin that we were able to delegate better, have a great leadership team. And so I was able to take six weeks off. We, we took our family on the road wow. um, and, um, took, and our, took an RV. Around. An RV, like a Winnebago? Yeah, Winnebago that we took, you know, from Arizona up through Niagara Falls to Maine and then all the way down the East Coast to Florida. Wow. Uh, and then back over. And so in that process, we got to see a bunch of people. It was fun to go out and see show tears in, in different places in their homes, in their hometowns. But yeah, so I mean, that season for us is going to stick out as like kind of an all in on the family side uh, of of life. And so when it comes to balance to me, I think I look more at the whole picture, you know, okay. like, like, as That's opposed fair. to like, ev- you know, every day of this week is going to be balanced, you know, 50% this, 50%, like, yeah. it just doesn't work that way. But I think there has to be that healthy check too. It's, it's talking to your spouse, it's talking to the kids and saying like, where are you at? Hey, this is going to be the season I'm in, you know, prepare for this. Hey, we're going to be coming into this season. And I love that, that proactive effort at managing expectations. Again, I mean, we have to do that with our clients, but it's so important to do that in our relationships. I do that with my kids a lot of times. In fact, I think they've kind of gotten used to it at this point because of some of the experiences they have. They like a sense of stability and kind of knowing what's going to happen anyway. But I, I try to make an effort to make them aware of what's going on. And that can be a simple act like we're driving in the car on the way to school and, hey, this is what's going on later this evening. Just want to give you guys a heads up. But that proactive effort at managing expectations when it comes to the significant people in our life is, is really, really huge. But I also love your perspective on the idea that it may not always look balanced and that's okay because I tend to be kind of uh, black and white and you guys know this about me, kind of an, ex- an extremist in some ways and it's okay for it to look a little gray. Um, you know, that we, that we can, there are times when, despite the fact that photographers edit in the book of podcasts is so much about creating space for ourselves, there are going to be times when we just have to, to throw down and go all in to make it work as an entrepreneur. Uh, it's important, I think, to, to develop relationships with people in our life that enable that, that they understand us and, and make space for that, that they, I don't want to say allow because nobody has to control us, but that, that their understanding of that, their gracious in response to that. I think that's important too. But that voice has to be there that they can say, hey, you've gone overboard. You know, uh, like, you know, yeah. like, hey, you've really neglected this, you know, in a way that's not healthy. You know, there's a, there's a good, there's a fine line between that. And honestly, we, Elisa and I, my, my wife, we've, we've had these conversations a lot. She's probably a wife and a spouse that is more okay with periods of like all in on something else. Okay. Whereas I have friends where that's not, uh, mm. you know, quite the relationship. And 
that's okay, but they need to have that communication to know like what's the boundaries on, you know, going all in. I think because Elise is so great like that with me, she she can let me go all in on when we're trying to reboot a business, you know, things like that where it feels like this is where my mind is, you know. She she can uh, come alongside that. So those are really great reminders. Sean, talk to us a little bit about your perspective on this too. I know you put also put so much emphasis on the relationship that you have with your wife, with your kids. Did you did you learn something different? Did you gain perspective about this topic in, in the last year or so? Yeah, I mean, the beautiful thing about life is you never arrive. Hopefully, you know, that's pride. And um, I, I love that because there's always room for growth. Hmm. And I love a good challenge. And so it was an interesting, tough year with me and the family and just so much going on. I have three kids and and a wife that started a business at the beginning of last year. And it wasn't that long ago that I told her I've started a lot of businesses and been an entrepreneur. And she was kind of just to a point where she said, the kids don't need me the same way. It's just different. So I want to know what's next for me. I don't, I feel kind of stuck. And so she went through this kind of like, evolution of of what she wanted to do and tried a couple things and what i told her was like it's your turn i really want to be for you Hmm. and then shortly after that we uh, purchased the other half of kiss and so it didn't feel like it was her turn and so having to communicate that and understand and like and like todd said i love the way that you put it it's not balanced but to me I, i one of my good friends was speaking at an event called the apex and he said it's more about having things in order because order doesn't mean that it's balanced. It just means priority is, 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 is right. So whatever is priority is the next highest thing. And sometimes it's business. Sometimes it is like the marriage. And it's not only when it's like falling apart or my kids are, you know, having a tough time. It's just like they are, they are in a specific order. Therefore, I make time for them based on those particular things. I like that. And sometimes the order has to shift yeah. because now it's your turn is what I told Jamie. And then we decided to go ahead and purchase the other part of the company, which is a, a big deal for us. And yet I still wanted to be for her. I didn't want to say like, you have to wait. So she still did that. So we were both very busy this year, yeah. yet we're, we are like committed to being connected. And so I, my, my um, personal mission last year was authenticity. And so I was just trying to be forthcoming with like, I know what I said, and I want to still be able to support you. And she was able to start the business. She's doing really well with it. She was just recently on the podcast, actually, with you. Yeah, I was going to bring that up. Uh, episode 216. Um, so for those of you listening in, if you haven't heard that episode, Jamie is a life coach. Mm-hmm. And um, I... I was talking to Sean about this actually yesterday when, when I, before we did the interview with Jamie, I, we just jumped on the phone, on the phone or on, on a zoom and we were talking for a little bit and we've had some really great conversation in the past, but it was almost like I couldn't help, but just open up to her the way that she listened and responded and asked questions. She was so incredible at it. And uh, so we'll have to link to that, that episode in the show notes as well. But it, it seems again, like we're talking, I mean, at the root of what you're describing is communication. Order is going to look different for everybody. I think that's important to note. And and Todd, you alluded to that. But in order to change that order, let's say from year to year, Sean, I know that you and Jamie take time each year to kind of establish what you want for the upcoming year. I think that's really cool. Uh, But in order for that to happen, it takes communication and you have to be proactive about that. And that's huge. Yeah, there's a lot in there for sure. And I think the one thing that I will say about it is like, it is really like it's expectation because I have one story and then we can go to the next thing. But she recently, it was investing in her business and kind of like uh, education and things like that. And she went to a process, not just for her business, but for her personally to grow. And it's called the Revenant process. I went through it about a year ago. She recently went through it and it was like to not, she kind of knew what to expect a little bit because she understands the language that will be used. But when you're working on and for yourself, she processes things very differently than I do. So I, in my mind, by Sunday, it was Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, very like long days. And, and you go really deep in like, kind of like why you do what you do. And, and you go to some pretty tough spots of life and you work on it. And she processes internally where I couldn't wait to talk to her. So by Sunday, I was like discouraged with the way that she was doing it. And if it, to me, if in a perfect world, if she would have known she was going to go through like on Wednesday, she could have said, Hey, I'm going to kind of like not 
talk to you for the next few days. I need to process this stuff. And uh, what do you need from me? And I could have said, just a text that you're okay, because I know it's tough to go through what you're going through. Um, I just want to make sure you're okay. And, and we are committed to, to being connected, whether we're in the same room, it's easier when you're in the same room, yeah. or travel like I do, and now she does some too. That expectation wasn't set because she didn't know how she was going to process it. So when you're in the middle of the storm, it's a lot harder because the expectations weren't there. Like we don't know how big the waves are that are coming in. But to be committed to it, we got to resolution really quick Mm -hmm. because the communication, because the commitment, because the vision that we have and we know that for each other. You've talked about nudging one another. She is somebody that knows what is my vision currently. And so a vision is like you're either making a decision that takes you towards your vision or away from it. Those are black and white things, but that is sometimes what is needed in life so that you're making progress or not. And so I love that we can communicate that way. And sometimes it's hard being married to someone that is a coach, you know, because <laughs> she ends up like coaching somebody on date night and it's like our server at the restaurant and wow. she's changing his life. Wow. And I'm like, this is beautiful and hilarious because we're on a date night, you know, yeah. or like she is like we, one of my favorite, um, not it's, it's kind of, kind of my least favorite sometimes thing that we say to each other, but it's brought clarity and like some beautiful things to our marriage is she, she, or I will say, can I give you feedback? So you're asking for permission. Hmm. And it's like, sometimes you're like, I don't really want feedback right now. Um, but but in all seriousness, like sometimes you may just not be in the, the mental space. And we have been there. That's and, cool. and it's okay. Yeah. Not right now is the response. It's yeah. like, okay. And there's usually something there like, I wanted to give it to you right now. But yeah. it's like, no, not right now. Or I can clarify it by saying like, I'm, I, I know the feedback that you're going to give to me because the conversation that we're having. Um, I know what it's about at least. But what I need to hear first is that you're for me, something that you like about me and then give me the feedback and then wrap it up with like something you really like about <laughs> me, you know? because I need that. I'm, yeah. I'm kind of needy as a feeler sometimes like that. And, yeah. and because of that particular conversation, it's not always like that, but that particular one could just be, I know it's going to be tough. And so I need to know that. And I want her to like, say it, that are you really for me and tell me that you are or not, you know? So it really does help kind of like us get to resolution and back on track with our vision or with our order or the priority, the next thing. Something that, that uh, we will get to the next question here in just a second, but something that you have mentioned now a couple of times, at least just even today, um, is your commitment to the relationship with her. And I, I love, and, and that meant a lot to me, just in what I'm learning about relationships as well, that you know we can get carried away with how we feel about something, or we can let our commitment to that particular relationship drive a willingness to set our immediate emotional reaction aside for the sake of thinking about how we can best serve that relationship. And I think that's really something good to keep in mind. I love that you prioritize that, and I appreciate you sharing that. Let's let's kind of go on, and I'm actually curious. I mean, one of the the main purposes of this conversation was kind of to talk about. I don't know. Maybe it seems a little presumptuous, but state of the industry because I, I think it's an interesting thing to, to to look at. We've the three of us have been in the industry now for close to what a couple of decades or so, and so we actually have a little bit of perspective. What would you say, Todd, is is one of the biggest differences that you've noticed between when you got started in the photo industry? and kind of the vibe, the feel of the industry right now? Yeah, I was thinking about this question. I, I think one of the things that stands out to me is is the state of education. And I think that one has been really fascinating to watch over the years, the different progress on, you know, like when we started, if you wanted to learn photography, you went to Brooks Institute or, you know, something like that, you know, like a big, you know, like art school or something like that. Yeah. That's where you went to learn. And we saw that kind of change with forums and online groups and now in Facebook groups and some of the, and then there's been this wave of educators that have come on um, and really great content, you know, and more and more, you know, uh, Amy and Jordan and Caitlin James and all these others that provide really great content. And, and I think it's getting to this point where people are like, can there really be that many options, you know, to, to learn this thing? And And my thought is like, Yes, because because of the fact that if you look around the country, how many universities are there? How many places of learning are there? There's so many options for education. It's just changed, hmm. you know, where those voices are, who who they are and how they connect. And so 
the effectiveness that I've seen in some of the courses and, and people actually coming out of those is is so much better than going through some of the maybe traditional or old school ways of doing that. Right. But at the same at the same token, I would say that like education works when people are all in. Mm. And, and, I th- and I think that's what I would say is like the biggest side of that. Yeah. And especially when it comes to like personalization, you know, because uh, when you go to a university and you sit in a classroom, there is a certain amount of personalization. But now you have this opportunity to go to so many different workshops and, and you know, in-person type locations where you can actually rub shoulders with people and and get that accountability. And then also... So many of the courses now have like Facebook groups and things like that where right. people are going through it together, which totally changes the, sh- the shape of what education looks like. And so I just think it's a really great time to be a photographer from the education perspective of like you can, there's just such great ways to learn and to do it together. So. Well, I think our community has tightened it enough that you can get a good feel. If there's a question mark about the, the validity, if you will, of the education being offered, the workshop or whatever it might be. Um, because there have been some negative experiences too. All you have to do is ask and, and you can get, get a good feel for that. But I think you're right. I mean, to have perspective from a variety of people, even relatively new photographers who can effectively communicate what they've learned at the outside of their business, it's a, it's a pretty awesome thing to hear that variety of perspective. I mean, that's one of the, the great things about, and, and what I've enjoyed about this podcast is, in fact, we've in some ways concertedly avoided going after the so-called celebrities in the industry to have them on the podcast and more of just focused on the industry as a whole, because there is something to be learned, even if it's a tidbit from just simple conversation with another photographer who's either at the beginning of their career or well into their career. There might just be a tidbit that you can apply to your business if you're willing to learn. And to your earlier point, I think it's important, too, to keep in mind that spending all this money or spending all this time, even time, because there's a lot of education that's free and readily available, right? If we're not actually doing something with it, it doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. And this is a reminder for me, too, because I, I regularly consume a variety of content and very purposefully so. But the question for me is, what am I actually doing with that? Is it worth the potential noise in my head to consistently consume this much content if I'm not actually going to do something with it? And I think that's a question that we all, I mean, it's going to look different for all of us again, but I think we have to at least ask ourselves that question and make sure that we're actually doing something with it. It reminds me of uh, a a photographer who was in the industry really more years ago, Gary Fong, uh, who used to teach, he would teach at like WPPI, for example. And I remember going to one of his classes at WPPI and he was teaching album sales. He used to to make thousands and thousands of dollars selling albums. And what he said to the class was, you can, basically, you can, you can listen to this and say, okay, that's nice. And well, actually, even just from my perspective, I'm, I'm watching the crowd and I'm seeing him teach these tools. And I know that these photographers can take this and go do something with it and make incredible amounts of money. Or what most likely was happening in probably 80, even 90% of those cases is that they're like, oh, that's, that's cool. That's cool. And they may even be taking notes. But when they get home, they're not doing anything with that. So I think it's important that while, yes, there's incredible education readily available, we should take advantage of that. We make sure that we at least take one thing from that and go do something with it. And we'll be that much better for it. Yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. And I think that comes back to that power of the other is like getting someone else involved in that, you know, especially when you're around uh, the courses that I really love are the ones that go through them together, you know, at a certain pace. And then you're in a group together and you have kind of accountability to like, did you finish the content? Are you actually doing it? You know, what areas are you working on? Mm -hmm. You know, and so you have that like accountability, especially if you can do it with somebody else who who can hold you accountable to that. Um, I I think that's just great. And uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's good place to be for education. It is. It, yeah. it is pretty incredible. Sean, what's your, your take on this topic? What are the, what's one of the biggest changes that you've noticed in the industry in the last 15, 20 years? Yeah, there's two main ones, technology. And with technology, just going from a, such a technical way of taking a picture from like a manual position film, you know, yeah. not being able to see it right away. Yeah. I was a film photographer first mm-hmm. because there was no option of, mm-hmm. I wasn't, it wasn't like cool that I was film. It was like, there's no other way. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> yeah, it's coming back. Now it's cool, but it, there's also another way. I right. was before it was cool. I thought I was cool, but not, not because of that. Um, Did you and, start on 35 millimeter or medium yeah. format? 35? I was 35 and okay. never shot medium just because of the mentor that I was working with and shooting weddings with, okay. um, shot 35. So I kind of like, 
you know, did everything that he did. I ended up shooting Nikon and I still have my first film camera, my first digital camera from when I evolved to digital. But what so was the, what was the film camera that you started? I bought with? an F100 first yeah. and then was in like F, you know, five and, or no, a D1X and oh, that was digital. Sorry. The F5. Yeah. And they're beautiful. Like the ergonomics of Nikon I've always Amazing. loved. Yep. And um, then my digital first. No, I, yeah, well. <laughs> Todd, Todd's in the, for those who can't yeah. hear, Todd's in the background making fun of us Nikon guys. Yeah. I actually started on an F100 as well. Oh, wow. That was my first it, pro or semi-pro sure. camera. Yeah. Back in the day, it was like $1,100 or yep. something. Now you can get it at, at the KH for 100 bucks. Yeah. It's crazy. It's like less pixels than my iPhone does. That's probably <laughs> why now it is right. that way. But the evolution of that has been pretty amazing mm-hmm. to see. Um, the very first wedding I ever shot was towards the end of just to be clear, so it doesn't age me a whole nother year, of 1999. And so it was with a really good friend of mine still to this day. And, you know, I was in love with the relationship that was going on on the other side of the lens. And so because of that, you know, um, but technically you had to know a lot more about the camera than even like being able to take a photograph on a phone is a lot simpler. And the evolution of digital photography and tools and editing and um, even the presets and stuff that are available to us, it's pretty impressive compared to like getting it out of the camera how I need to in film you can only flex it so much you know pushing and pulling it and you have to talk about that know how to do it and shoot it in the camera so that it can be pushed or pulled a specific way so that was one of the biggest things that I saw change was just technology and like it's made the barrier to entry different it's it's a lot easier I think to get amazing or you know some great photos but it goes back to like so that we have to now rely on the experience that we create, and that's what separates us because there's a lot of great photographers out there. Ultimately, you can get good pictures, but if you can create an experience to make them look better on the other side of the camera or feel better or you're more deep into the relationship with these people so they trust you, whether it's a film camera, it doesn't matter, you know, but because the technology, I don't have to think about it as much anymore. Now I can focus more on them because I'm just confident that my camera is going to do whatever it needs to, to make up for me, not having to deal with the technical side of it so that I can focus the last few weddings I shot. I didn't, I literally didn't, did not shoot any. Um, I knew I was in love with the relationship. So we had like a team of photographers. We were pretty high end photographers. So we brought a big team. I did not carry a camera. Hmm. Um, I just worked with the clients and the photos were beautiful. I didn't put the trigger so i might have might have got like the you know this is sean's photo but i felt like i made that happen and my my creativity came out in the relationship and so the other thing in the industry was um when i first started it was it was you know probably 70 to 80 percent male and now it's 70 to 80 percent plus female especially at events and so that has shifted a lot and like i was talking about earlier about how my wife processes things it, it, not every woman processes that way, but more pe- more women tend to process things a specific way than males do, or like the confidence that I end up trying to teach when I'm coaching people or teaching them about album sales. It's easier for me to teach a guy confidence because we just come across more confident than we really are. We all have this similar voices inside our heads telling us we're not enough, but guys tend to, and I'm, I know I'm like putting people in a box, but the majority of them, it's easier to 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 teach that where females it's it's a lot more time so many times like i'm talking about like you can do this and i'm so excited because so many to me females can do this part better because the relationship comes easier to them so many times unfortunately that it's a poor re- reflection too on what our culture kind of the way that our culture has boxed in to use your your analogy there women and and so it's it's unfortunate that we're in that place, but I totally understand why that might be the case. It is interesting to see the massive shift. Mm-hmm. I mean, you went from the I mean, I'm, I'm thinking back to when I first started too, but kind of the you know the 60 year old or 65 year old guy with his big medium format camera, boring as can be. You didn't really want him to spend a whole lot of time there at your wedding, and now you've got these high young high energy women that are bringing not only creativity to the picture, but to your earlier point, an experience that far surpasses anything that most of these guys could have expected to create back in the day. It's pretty amazing. And you spoke to something that really resonated with me, and I think it's really important that we note this. And when we talk about the idea of an experience, 
really underlying anything tied to a positive experience for somebody is how we make them feel. You kind of alluded to that. Literally every element of that experience, if they walk away saying, I had a good experience, it's ultimately you made them feel good in some form or fashion. And we've talked about this in the podcast before. Most clients, when they look at an image, they may feel pretty great about that image because you maybe framed it a particular way, you edited it a particular way. But imagery as an art form is likely not going to resonate with a client 90, 95% of the time, the same way it would with us as photographers, right? We see it in a different way. We pay attention to the details in a different way. What will resonate with a client even more is how we make them feel through the overall experience. And that truly is what is going to enable us to be able to set our businesses apart. That's, that's a huge, huge point that I don't think we can reiterate enough. That's really, really good. Talk to us a little bit, though, too, about maybe some of the cover. Maybe there's a conversation or two that you are hearing in the industry, whether it's on, in Facebook groups or we used to say forums. Forums aren't really a thing anymore. It's more Facebook groups. But what is what is a point of conversation that you hear being discussed right now? Maybe something that's even a little bit controversial in nature. And I'm, I'm curious to hear your perspective on that that particular topic. Todd, I'll start with you. The one that I feel like I still see coming up more and more is I feel like there has been shifts on on the fulfillment side of photography. Like that, you know, and I think Sean would probably say he's been in that from the heirloom perspective of of delivering an album, but even just prints and those kind of things. Like I feel like that topic has gone through different waves of of pushing toward just online, you know, you know, CD deliveries, the shoot and burn, the shoot and share, you know, just a service base, and then a, a lot more on the in-person sales, and then even how to how to sell uh, in that area. And I mean, I think as a as a consumer of print goods, I think it's been an interesting conversation to to watch and see because I feel like in the experiences I've had when we've hired photographers or been a part of that, like I'm really thankful for the ones that sold me something, you know? And, and so like, I understand why this conversation is important for photographers because the reality is if I open up my iPhone, I have like 10,000 photos on it, you know, it just goes on and on and on. Right. And it's just so different to have something printed. And so while it's easier and accessible to, to actually get something printed, you know, whether it be a Walgreens or whatever, you know, down the street, it's still such a great service that photographers provide. And so to offer a physical product you're talking yeah, about. Yeah. That goes such a, such a, a long way. So I think that that debate has been the one that I feel like keeps resurfacing. Do you think that, that, I mean, at the end of the day, those, the, the digital medium or digital delivery can coexist with the physical, because it seems like some photographers kind of go to the extreme of saying, no, I will not deliver a digital product if you want something, you're going to have to order a print or an album or maybe some combination of above. But why would we not deliver both? What do you think? Yeah, I don't know if I want to get uh, be one who puts a stake in the ground on this one, you know. Uh, but I, <laughs> Sean says but he Sean, will. <laughs> but I, I do think there's like for me, there's definitely room for both in the sense that like if you if you deliver a digital product they're going to end up on an Instagram story, you know, and that's going to be transient. It's going to disappear in 24 hours or it's going to end up in their Instagram or Facebook feed. And that essentially disappears in, you know, a week, you know, if right, that, right. So like there's a role for digital, you know, you want like not every one of your friends or your relatives from far away can see the album that you get printed that doesn't diminish the the value of what that is for your home, you know, or for uh, your parents' home or for whoever else. So I'm a very both and when it comes to that, you know, that like definitely digitals are so important for their role, but there is such value in printing them. Yeah, Sean, will you comment on that particular topic? And then I'm curious to get your perspective too on maybe one of the significant conversations that you hear right now. Yeah, that's a touchy subject, which I, I totally get. Um, because and you're not biased at all, right? Yeah, no, not at all, no. <laughs> As a photographer, though, before I had Kiss and things like that, like I was a film photographer, like I said, that evolved into digital just because it came to the market. And it was like, yeah, it makes sense for me to have digital. And, and people started asking for it, like, are you a digital photographer? And it became like, oh, why would you not be, you know, isn't right. it like, whatever, it's like a dollar every time you push the shutter when you're film, is it less when you hit a digital button. And we thought it was until we realized how much time we're going to spend behind the computer. And so it still costs money to take those photos. And the experience we're trying to deliver to our clients, it goes from 
now before with social media and them like looking for a photographer um, all the way through, I believe, to a printed album. Um, but also social media plays a huge role for us to be able, be able to market and things like that. As far as like whether or not I'm going to give you, sell you the images, hold them hostage until a specific time or however people look at it, there's, there's definitely different, very distinct camps. And so that's why it's touchy. Uh, but there is a middle. Not It doesn't have to be all black and white. For me, my uh, the way I teach it is I'm cool with you doing it either way. But I believe that the urgency of, of the album, the further away from the wedding that you get, the harder it is to get it delivered. Because we're all a lot of us are procrastinators. Yeah. We're getting back into normal life. We've planned this wedding for a year. Now it's after the fact. It's not as like, it just the further away from it we get, it's not as emotional and things like that. Um, and so the album becomes less and less. It almost becomes a chore if we don't hold their hand and create this experience that allows them to get to the finish line, what I think the finish line being the album. I think it's fine to deliver images. The way I did it was I'd have it like for a specific price. Let's say it's like $700 or $1,000 for the images. But if you upgrade your album to a full length album, because in their package would be like what I called like a highlight reel. Okay. Um, high, you know, it's 20 to 30 photos. But if you want to tell the whole story, how I'd love for you, if you upgrade to that, I'm just going to give you the images and I will give them to you when I deliver the album. Interesting. It wasn't, you know, some people are like, oh, you're holding them hostage. And I was like, no, they're paying me for the experience. And if I'm not a photographer, if, I, if, if like I almost wish that we were something called something other than photographers because the camera is just an avenue to the experience. It's a part of the experience, just like the album is. But what? It, what? Where do I want these images to live? And what? What are you really hiring me for? It is to be a professional hmm. and a professional that does these things. So that's that's what separates me is the experience in these things. Shoot and share was a beautiful thing, but it also caused a lot of wreckage today because a lot of people came in and, and they're like, "Oh, I can just take pictures at the wedding." hopefully edit them and then just deliver them. Well, statistics are showing that the clients aren't doing anything with those images mm -hmm. or if they are trying to get them done, like we, in the consumer world between 70 and 80% of people that start a design in an album software do not get it printed. Okay. So there's a massive amount of stuff just out there and now people are losing um, their life or proof of their life in photographic form. Like a whole generation is, is missing because a hard drive's gone bad or they didn't back it up properly or before iPhones or, or technology was like auto backing up, we had to physically do that. And sometimes right. we'd drop it in the ocean and, oh, when was the last time I backed up those photos? And we have thousands of photos on this thing. And if it's the only device, we have that. You know, like technology's evolving. I'm grateful for it. But people now have literally lost um, proof of existence for a certain amount of time, minus like passports and documents. The photos are why we do what we do. And it's a lot more fun looking at photos than it is like somebody's passport. <laughs> and so, but like because of a computer goes bad or something like that, they, it's gone. That's the only place we had it because we just didn't know enough hmm. about it. So I'm like, I'm for you giving them to them. It's, it, that's one of the things. It's like a keepsake. They like having it for whatever reason. Like I was fine delivering the the film afterwards. Yeah. I got them all printed at the labs that I wanted to get printed. I did the book and I sent my film to the book. It's so weird because it would freak me out now doing that because I felt like it's like, oh, what if it gets lost in shipping? Yeah, Before it was just part of the process. Yeah. And um, now we have it backed up multiple times and all this type of stuff, you know. Yeah. But back then it was like the film. That's the one shot. You know, there's no other way of getting this thing printed. Yeah. And so you'd send it to the lab. They would, you know, take it all and, and print all four by sixes. Then you send it back to that lab. I mean, it was shipping all over Southern California when I was doing this to my lab and then to like overseas to get one of the books that I used called yeah. Levy back in the day. Yep. It's a very unique book. So I used Levy. They were based in Japan, weren't they? Yeah. So yeah. I had to send stuff over to yeah. get it done. Yeah. And shortly after digital was there and so I could just send discs and stuff. But it's just wild to think about. But yeah, I'm, I'm good with like selling them or giving them to them. But it, if they trust you, they're good with either. And if the experience is, like you set the expectation early, that's when it goes south, is when they're like, oh, I paid you for these images, and you like never told me I wasn't going to get them. And it's like, that's where things can fall apart. And that's the expectation. That's communication. We've talked a lot about that here. Do you think that, I mean, at the end of the day, isn't a lot of this conversation, or shouldn't maybe, that the conversation be about how can we best serve our clients? Mm -hmm. It takes our ego out of it, hopefully, and the prioritization that we put on us being, quote, artists and the importance that we put on these images that may be a little bit different than the importance that the client is going to put on it. They may have a little bit different perspective. 
it seems like a lot of this conversation should be driven with the question, what best serves the client? Mm-hmm. And, and I realize that if we're going to ask that, kind of throw that out there and, and consider that ourselves, that we can get multiple answers from it. But a, an all-inclusive solution where, I mean, so I, I love the scenario that you're describing, which encourages additional product sales. They're putting more money and in, in investment into the, to a bigger album. And then you're also giving them as a thank you, shall we say, the, the digital products so they at least have access to those. I think that's a wonderful balance, but shouldn't it really just center around how do we best serve the client versus, I mean, you see some of these conversations online, which is photographers going on this kind of egotistical rant about this is how it should be. And in some ways it kind of reminds me of, um, because a lot of this conversation is, it, it centers around the development of technology, as you alluded to earlier, things change. That's just reality. And the idea that we fight that I think is misguided. So Rather than going on these these rants about how we things think that things should be, should it not center around service of the client? And maybe that's just kind of an, an almost a rhetorical question, an obvious thing. But what do you think? Yeah, I think it's good. I mean, I, I think it's just something as a business owner, an entrepreneur. What is it that we really are doing? And um, of course, we want to create. And we're in a creative industry, and so we want to refine that part of what we do. Absolutely. But is uh, is investing in a relationship and learning about them and loving them and serving them a specific way? Can't that be creative as well? Hmm. Like what? What if that part? What if just shift your person your perspective for just a minute? Just think about it differently. Don't don't just throw it away because you don't believe it. Because sure, I want you to take great photos, but can you just shift your perspective a touch? It's not it's not either or. It can be both. Yeah. What if you? get very creative about how you can serve them better and how you can get to know them. Like a a handwritten note is a lost art and it can go a long way, especially if there's something personal in there about the wedding that you loved or about something personal you know that's going on in their life or whatever. What if that made it to where that is what you do for a living? And getting to know those clients and being able to serve them better is pretty amazing. You know, marketing has made it to where like somebody walking in the door of Nordstrom's is different than somebody walking in the door of maybe Target. And so they market to us differently, but they know that client kind of before they go, they get in the door because they've done a great job marketing saying like, these are our prices. This is what you can afford. This is the lifestyle because it shows people in a specific type of a car and in specific locations that can afford those in different perspectives of life or different stages of their life. We can do the same thing, find our ideal clients, and serve them creatively, maybe, in a way that is different than everybody else. Because hmm. it is. I mean, it's like if I look at a photo, I may love it, and you may not, and that's okay. But really, what, what if it's like we just invest so much, and of course, you know, take great photos, but we invest so much that they're so in love with the photo because we've created this experience creatively enough so that it's like there's not a camera in the room. My favorite photos are of like raw, genuine emotion between mm-hmm. two people typically, mm-hmm. like belly laughing and like just like looking at each other like there's nobody else in the room at the time. Those to me, like they they draw me close to that person. I want to know more about what's going on in their mind because yeah. I want what they have right yeah. then. Yeah. And I love that. But that does that doesn't happen. As soon as I pull out a camera to almost on anybody, it could I, I photographed models and like celebrities and just normal people that hired me to photograph their backyard wedding, totally fine, all different. But whenever you pull out a camera, the room shifts because we're very aware of that camera. Mm-hmm. But if you can now settle in and know who they are and, and just set them in a place where they can look at each other a specific way, like nobody's in the room, especially a camera, then I've done my job. What if that's the creative thing, which is why I didn't have a camera the last few weddings. Sure. I was like, I, I do that better when there's not a camera. A camera's intimidating. If you turned a phone camera on me right now, I'd be like, oh, do I look good? What's my good side? Like, <laughs> is everything finds my hair done right? Like, yeah. you know, it's just one of those things. You got, yeah. I get instantly self-conscious. And uh, I'm not the only one because I photographed beautiful models and beautiful people. And they're like, let me see. And I almost don't want to show them because I know they're going to just critique themselves hmm. where I just want to make them comfortable and have that raw beauty and emotion come out. Yeah, the, the idea of artistry and like true focus on service of a client, they don't have to be mutually exclusive. They can coexist. And I like that. I think that's a great way to sum up our conversation. And really, it accurately represents what you guys are about, ultimately, this, this idea of serving photographers in our industry. I, I have so much respect for both of you for that very reason. And I think it's why we, our conversation is so resonant 
because we have a similar focus as well. I love that. I appreciate you making time to to have the conversation today. It's a little bit late. It's almost seven o'clock in the evening here. Um, we're going to go refuel after a pretty hard workout today. We went to Orange Theory. That was a pretty cool experience. I've never had that experience before. Sean, you kind of led the way and, and uh, Todd and I suffered through it. But um, anyway, we're, we're going to go get some food. Thank you guys so much for making time to do this. Will you share just one more time where everybody can follow not only your company, but what you're doing online as well? Sure. I am Sean with KISS. So you can uh, follow us at KISS.us is our website. At KISS Books is uh, social media kind of like anywhere. Personally, I am Sean Austin, at Sean Austin. So personally, you can follow me there where I do like family and my travel and, and, and owning a business. But um, that's that's more personal side of things. And then professionally, you can find me over at the KISS locations. Cool. Todd, how about yourself? Yeah, so you can find us at Show It. So we actually just got the Instagram handle at Show It. Oh, did you? It's no longer at showit.co. Okay, awesome. Uh, so we're pretty excited about that. But um, we And then our website is still showit.co. Um, we're still trying to buy that M, and uh, it's pretty expensive. <laughs> I get it. Yeah, that's yeah, well, what it is, but that, that's where you can find it. Perfect. And we'll, we'll link to these, of course, again in the show notes, Boca, B-O-K-E-H, podcast.com. Thank you guys again so much, not only for the conversation, but what you're doing for the industry as well. Thank you. Thanks so much for listening to the Boca podcast today. Will you let us know what you think by leaving a review of the podcast in iTunes or maybe in the Apple podcast app? And I'd love to hear from you personally with your thoughts about the podcast, maybe suggestions about future topics and guests for the show. My direct email is nathan at photographersedit.com. The Boca Podcast is brought to you by Photographers Edit, custom image editing for the wedding and portrait photographer. Just visit photographersedit.com. Thank you.